This is your host, J.D. Shock, a.k.a. Juwian, and this is Set 5 Pass, a podcast about all things Yu-Gi-Oh! We got content reviews, deck profiles, meta reports, you name it, we'll whip it up. Uh, check us out on Twitter, at Set5Podcast, to get an inside look of what I'm stewing up, and maybe, maybe we'll take some suggestions from y'all. Thanks for tuning in for this week's episode. Let's get right to it. Hello, what is happening everyone? Happy Holidays! This is your host, JD Shock, aka Juwian, and you're listening to Set 5 Pass, a Yu-Gi-Oh! podcast. I was not planning on releasing an episode this week due to the holidays and a poorly timed head cold, but yet here I am. While bedbound, I started studying a card and its interaction so much that I decided to make an episode about it because it is just so darn tricky. We're going to be talking about Small World today. Small World is a card introduced in Burst of Destiny, and from its initial announcement, it caused a lot of buzz because hypothetically it can search any monster in the game. If you have not read the card, let me catch you up to speed. Reveal one monster in your hand, choose one monster from your deck that has exactly one of the same type, attribute, level, attack, or defense, and banish the revealed monster from your hand face down. Then add, from your deck to your hand, one monster that has exactly one of the same type, attribute, level, attack, or defense as the monster chosen from your deck, and banish the the card chosen from the deck face down. You can only activate one small world per turn. If that sounds a bit confusing, it is because it is. But to boil it down for you, A can reveal B so long as A and B only share one thing. And then you can add C from deck to hand if B and C only share one thing. A cool tip about this card is that it doesn't have an initial cost. So if your opponent negates this with an Ash Blossom or something, It's a simple one for one, you don't have to go into the negative using it. Here's an example of how Small World works. You reveal Nibiru in hand, reveal Effect Veiler in your deck, and add Alistair from deck to hand. Nibiru and Veiler only share the light attributes, and Veiler and Alistair only share spellcaster typing. And it's kind of simple when you put it like that. I recently picked up a playset for myself and I was kind of scratching my brain as to what I can put this card in and the answer is pretty much anything. I think at first I looked at decks that can effectively use There Can Only Be One because that tells me that they already use different types so they would only have to have matching attribute or possibly level. That was a good start but it only made things more complicated moving forward the more I looked into the card. Between this and Crossout Designator, we're seeing spells that use cards in deck as a resource, and I find it really interesting because the more creative your deck building is, the better these cards become. There's been decks, decklists for Tri-Brigade and Maldoche that use Small World pretty effortlessly in their builds, but I found a flaw in the logic of Small World in these lists. They usually added one card to their list that was the middle target for Small World, like the B and the ABC plotline. 
For Maldoche, it was Dino Wrestler Panker Tops. The mindset was that you could take any Maldoche as the A target, use the Pankin deck as the B target, and then add any Maldoche as the C target. But what happens if you draw the Pank? It's still effective, but it does hinder your searching because so many of the Maldoches overlap in type, level, and sometimes stats. How I see it is that the A, B, and C targets in Small World should always be able to snag you anything you need. That way, Small World plus any monster should get you your desired target. When I built decks using a secondary target for Small World, it allowed a little more versatility in hand. So like, instead of just citing in one card that was the B target, I cited in a third card that would also kind of fit into the equation. A good example, and courtesy to Crozen YGO for this example, is that using only light monsters as the common factor, you can use Nibiru, Effect Veiler, and any light monster that doesn't have anything in common with those two targets. And in this case, he was using Small World and Satellar Knights for this. The theory is that if you open Nibiru, you can reveal Veiler and snag any Satellar Knight. If you open Effect Veiler, you can reveal Nibiru and add any Satellar Knight. And if you open a Satellar Knight that isn't your starter, you can reveal either Nibiru or Effect Veiler and snag anything between the other option or any Satellar Knight that gets your plays going. This way, targets A, B, and C can snag you either A, B, or C when necessary, making full utility of Small World. I found this to be overall easier when using mono attribute decks, which is an easy way to maximize your uses for Small World. The issue with this card initially was that some people saw the inherent complexity of Small World and how it can find anything and assumed that most uses of this card had to be done in that complex manner. By all means, if you use this card enough and you get familiar with tech choices and side deck staples, You'll become more proficient using Small World and your deck building will reflect that. I want to give a heads up that some of these options may not be the most effective use of deck space. And I also want to give a caveat that this episode is intended to give people, uh, get people interested in the card and brainstorming new ways to play it. Like always, if you like this episode or you want to share some cool expanded ideas on Small World, please feel free to hit me up on Twitter at Set5Podcast. I would love to hear them. But for those reasons mentioned a moment ago, I'm going to focus primarily on attribute-based searching as there are a lot of side deck cards and miscellaneous tech cards that can be tossed in as a one or two of that won't ruin your deck's overall strategy while increasing your overall consistency using Small World. After initial searching, I found that the four easiest attributes to work with Small World was Light, Dark, Earth, and Wind. Fire and Water were tougher, but we'll get to that a little later on. In addition, I found that the Ghost Girl hand traps and the corresponding attribute kaijus were pretty solid targets in a lot of these lists, as there was very little overlap in the typing and attribute combinations, and that were not incredibly common. Looking at Light first, Light has a whole collection of options. You have Effect Veiler, Nibiru, Lancia, Ghost Ogre, the Star Destroying Kaiju, Herald of the Orange Light, 
Danko Sekka in some builds, Siphon Gamma, and Sword Soul Iris. There's kind of a lot of options going on there. You have various levels from 2 to 10, a 1 to 10 really, and at least five different types there, and a whole range of attack and defense stats that you can like slap into that. Of course, as I mentioned earlier, Nibiru and Effect Fader stand out the most right now as they are drastically different from each other and therefore allow for flexibility as what you want to play this engine in. Having so many options is a good thing though, because what if you want to play a light spellcaster deck? Well, Valor can be kind of a tough target. Well, you can just use Cyframe Gamma then. If Lancia is already in your side deck this format because you're seeing a lot of banished decks, the using Small World to snag a Lancia to lock your opponent's turn out instead of getting your starter might be the play that you need to do. Darks were also another solid option for using Small World. There were some tech and hand traps, and then there was also a couple interesting staples that work well with this. Uh, there's Chaos Hunter, DD Crow, Dimension Shifter, Winter Cherries, Lord of the Heavenly Prison, Songin, and Tour Guide, and lastly Skullmeister. I kind of thought that DD Crow and Heavenly Prison were like the opposite of Effect Veiler and the Beer set. One's a high level, one's a low level, both of them are obscure typings. Crow has been seeing increasing play as a utility hand trap, and Heavenly Prison is good in any back row deck or a deck reliant on specific spells and traps that they need as their starter. Songin and Tour Guide tend to go hand in hand in a lot of decks, so if you're running them in your deck already for a quick and easy link too, you can also use them alongside something else on the list and have more consistency to ensure that that link to play goes off. Earth and Wind decks were a good place to start too, and to be honest, I found the pool of monsters in these two groups to be kind of the most versatile. So Earths have Pankertops, Alpha, uh, Ghost Bell, Contact C, and the Kamungus, the Sticky String Kaiju. And the Wind group had Droll and Lockbird, Godarla, Ghost Mourner, Parallel Exeed, and the Heavenly Zephyr Miradora which I found to be a pretty interesting tech here. Now, the Earth and Wind groups can just do so much more. Any Earth-based deck can make use of an Alpha or Pank if you need to crack a board, and Wind decks can look to surge Droll on demand, and Droll is a really strong hand trap this format, and for good reason. A nice note is that Parallel Exes was a good addition in this list because sometimes you have that third that's left in your deck as a brick in the late game. And so this is a way that you can make use of that third parallel exes, whether you're using it as the A or B card in the small world play line. After looking diligently through a lot of these lists, I found that water and fire decks have the roughest time using small world. Water can kind of get by, but fire was not all too much. There's pros and cons to each. Water decks really only have Spooky Dogwood and Gamma Seal, which no one uses Spooky Dogwood because it doesn't hinder the opponent, just gets you life points. However, Gamma Seal is pretty solid. In addition, I did see that the Water Time Lord being a nifty option for the Water group was good here, as well as uh, Genix Undyne, um, because Genix is used in a lot of Water decks already. Uh, to, and sometimes it's a full combo starter, so just being able to search Genix Undyne is pretty great. 
fire attribute was really rough. Um, for fire, I found really only the fire kaiju, the fire time lord, and ash blossom. The only saving thing here for the fire lineup is that, like using small world, is that ash blossom is already ran in decks, so you really only need to find space for the flame kaiju, which is, you know, drastically easier. But one thing that kind of sucks here is that the fire lineup of play can't be used to search um, some notable cards that you might want to use it for, such as like searching miscellaneous source because the fire kaiju and the dinosaur, um, you know, they already have too much in common. Now, that doesn't mean that fire and water decks are completely without small world. Small world is an incredibly complex card and while attribute may not be the best route to snag what you need, Possibly using typing or level may give you some more versatility to use small world more effectively. As I said earlier, this card takes practice and requires a good knowledge of side deck and tech pieces that exist in the Yu-Gi-Oh! metagame. I highly recommend using Konami's official app, that Yu-Gi-Oh! Neuron. Um, I would not have been able to study cards so much if it were not for this app. It is so great to use for this. I hope that over time you learn to use this card and create some incredible interactions that inspire even more incredible deck building. I'm probably going to end the episode with that. Like always, feel free to let me know what you come up with using Small World. You can find me on Twitter at Set5Podcast. I'd love to hear it. Once again, this is JD Shock, aka Juwian, and you're listening to Set5 Pass. Happy holidays, bless your pulls.